Welcome to the Behind the Lids podcast. My name is Mandy Adams, and I have the privilege of leading the Behind the Lids Healing Collective here in Costa Mesa, California. Our podcast is an opportunity to share the wisdom of facilitators who hold space and bring healing at our studio, as well as experts and influencers we believe you should know about. Before we join our conversation for today, we'd love for you to hear about an upcoming event at Behind the Lids. We have some exciting news to share with you. Behind the Lids is now offering online classes, and we just announced the first four taught by Mana Dabokar psychic medium, life coach, and former therapist. If you're curious about communicating with animals, discovering and developing your eight clairs, your intuitive senses, overcoming self-doubt and unleashing inner confidence, or learning how to interpret your dreams, head on over to behindthelids.com online. That's behindthelids.com online and learn more about our new online classes. Welcome to the Behind the Lids podcast. I'm your host, David Trotter, and today our guest is Kyle Lamb, a sound healer who produces holistic healing events that introduce the benefits of meditation, sound baths, and mindfulness throughout Southern California. In today's conversation, Kyle shares how he became interested in sound healing and spirituality, how his sound baths are unique from others that you may have experienced, his advice for people wanting to get into sound healing. All right, let's jump into my conversation with Kyle Lamb. Kyle, thanks so much for taking some time to hang with me today. I appreciate it. Love to be here, David. Thank you for the invitation and the opportunity. Yeah. Tell me about how you got into sound healing and spirituality and kind of all the things. Give me a little bit of your history and background of how you got into that. Well, I'd say it started when I was a child. I actually played piano for about 10 years I was also in symphony orchestra and marching band where I played the clarinet for eight years too as well. So since I was young, I've had a fascination with music and really developed a deep love for all different types of music. When I was younger, I not only played a lot of classical music, but I also you know, went through different musical periods um, throughout the centuries, as well as a lot of modern pieces, too, as well. And my love of music back then really also helped me to understand a lot of the emotions behind music, too. When we play different concerts um, and performances, there is so much emotion that needs to be involved when you perform music, too. So I was able to really develop a greater understanding of my own relationship uh, with them, with my own emotional relationship to music too as well. And since I was 14, I have always loved going to concerts, different music festivals, and I have really learned to love a wide variety of different genres of music too. You know, when I was younger, I was more into the rock and metal scene, of course, being like this angst teenager. For sure. And then, yeah, and then, you know, I grew up in a very rural area too. So I fell in love with country music. And then, you know, as I got into my high school, college years, I, you know, expanded a little bit more, diving into hip hop, um, electronic music and so forth too. So my goodness, across from, the spectrum. Yes, indeed. And then yeah, you know, yeah. now, now, of course, you know, with my spiritual practice, I love mantra chanting. So I love chanting 
um, different mantras from different languages, different um, different faiths too as well. So it's been a beautiful experience. And my love of music, what I've learned now is what I love most about music, especially certain genres, is the story behind music. And mm-hmm. I really love the portrayal of, you know, different scenarios that I myself have personally been involved in. Um, and also different scenarios that I can imagine being into as well and exploring the different emotions uh, if I was in that kind of situation too. So I loved going to concerts. I loved going to music festivals too as well. So in essence, it's really no surprise that I end up falling in love uh, with sound healing too. And how I really got into sound healing really, of course, stems from my introduction to a lot of spirituality too. And in many ways, I really believe that I've always been a very spiritual person long before I even knew what the term spirituality means. I believe a lot of it really comes from my heritage. I'm, I'm Chinese. My mother was born in Beijing. Uh, my dad was born in Hong Kong. And my entire family is actually still in China. Um, in this country, it's only my mother and myself. Wow. So I really do believe uh, as a Chinese person, because of my you know ethnic background, because of my ethnic culture, there is a lot of spiritual connection ingrained um, in a lot of Asian, and especially Chinese heritage too as well. And, you know, growing up, my mother grew up in the cultural revolution. So, you know, a lot of faith and religion was really not only frowned upon, but mm-hmm. abolished, of course, by, by right. Chairman Mao. So um, even, uh, even from that standpoint, you know, I didn't have a lot of connection to faith or spirituality, but nonetheless, my mother took me to uh, Buddhist temples um, here in the LA area too. And so I had a, a good introduction from going to there for, as a young child, um, doing some meditations with her, some prayers, uh, engaging with the monks and so forth too. And when I was in college, I had an opportunity to actually take this uh, philosophy course and it was called the philosophy of simplicity. And part of that curriculum was we did a, uh, seven day stay at a local Buddhist temple nearby. And we basically got to experience what it's like to be trained as a novice monk. So we had the, you know, robes and garments mm. on that the novice monks said. We, we had conversations with the venerables. We had different Dharma talks. Um, and we did meditation three times a day. Uh, we did a, <laughs> we did a, sitting meditation in the morning. We did a sitting meditation, uh, laying meditation in the afternoon, which I admit sometimes I fell asleep. <laughs> and, and in the evenings, we would do walking meditations. And even when we were eating, we would practice, you know, the presence of being with your food, you know, being quiet. And also we did a lot of practice in, you know, service, right? We would you know, serve our fellow classmates. We would serve the monks and venerables. We would take part in cleaning the temple too, as well. So that was a good blast into the 
beginning stages of spirituality too. And, you know, during my college years, I was dating this woman at the time and her and I really started our spiritual journey together. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of it was through exploration of music because we loved going to music festivals and, you know, we were really deeply in love. So all the emotions behind you know, being in love, you know, being in love with music too as well, really had a strong uh, part in my in my spiritual journey too. But it was really after our breakup, uh, that heartbreak, which really encouraged me to learn more about myself, not only from a spiritual side too as well, but to learn more about my emotions too. Um, because at the time, you know, being very young, there was a lot of new emotions from that breakup that I didn't understand. So there was a lot of yearning to learn more about myself and learn more about what's really going on underneath too. Mm. And at the time I was, you know, living in the LA area. So, you know, being Los Angeles, being very open and very, having a very strong conscious community there, I was able to dabble in so many different types of modalities and practices. Um, You know, I've been to sound baths, of course, when I was younger. I dabbled in various forms of breath work from different practitioners. I fell in love with tapping, emotional freedom technique. And uh, I also did a lot of kirtan, mantra chanting too as well. Of course, different, different forms of yoga. But what I really fell in love with was when I found um, Kundalini Yoga as mm. taught through Yogi Bhajan. And that was really when every modality and every lesson and all my past experiences too really was put together. Mm. And through Kundalini Yoga, everything just kind of from that practice really made sense. And Kundalini Yoga, for anyone that's unfamiliar with it, you know, they call, first of all, they call it the, the yoga of awareness, right? Because it's less about the body, but more about the mind and the breath and the heart and really channeling a lot of that Kundalini energy within your spine and really integrating into yourself. So there's a lot of intensity, of course, from that Kundalini energy. So I consider myself a very intense person. I have no trouble embracing intensities or any form of high intense situations or uh, sensations inside too. So that also really helped me to fall in love with Kundalini Yoga too. And um, I devoted myself to the practice of Kundalini Yoga. It became the bread and butter of my spiritual practice. I was very lucky to have very good teachers there. Um, in fact, many of the original students um, from Yogi Bhajan himself were teaching in the Los Angeles area. And I was able to really not only learn from them, but connect with them too as well. Um, I've learned from Guru Singh, who was one of the primary uh, students of Yogi Bhajan. Um, I learned a lot from um, Tej Karkalsa, who was the librarian of his teachings too as well. And, you know, specifically Tej, I really connected with really well. One is because I love her style of, of teaching. She was able to put a lot of practicality 
in uh, in spirituality. So even though we were doing, you know, a lot of these movements and kriyas and breath work and mantra chanting, and there's a lot of uh, practices that derive from the Sikh Dharma and Kundalini Yoga too, she always had the ability to apply that to real world situations. Hmm. Um, so I, I love that connection. It, it was really from her that I really fell in love with the connection between spirituality and practicality, right? How can you apply real world situations to, you know, really deep esoteric spiritual practices too as well. And through Tej, I also really found the love of, uh, being in service, you know, I was able to connect with her really well, randomly, actually, not even through Kundalini Yoga, we ended up at a writing workshop from one of our mutual friends together, and we partnered up and just became very close. So, you know, she's seen me in her classes before. And so I would go early. After that, I would help prep up the space for her when she comes in. I would walk her to the teacher's podium, get her mic all set up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when she, when she needed something to be done, she'd be like, you know, Kyle, come here, help me. And then afterwards, I would help her pass out the snacks. And, you know, even a f- couple times, I would even drop her off back home, too. So this relationship that I had with my spiritual teacher uh, really strengthened and blossom my own spiritual connection to myself and of course to the practice of kundalini yoga and also it gave me you know the understanding of what being in service means right uh, we call it you know a seva right selfless service too as well and you know how much benefit you could have by offering your services um to other people without expecting anything back too for you know, for the in the end, we're being in service for the expansion of knowledge, right? The expansion of awareness too, as well through any practice that we do. Mm-hmm. So, around that time too, I began to discover what sound baths and sound healing were. And the unique thing about Kundalini Yoga is they they end every class with the gong. So as my practice and my love of kundalini grew my love of the gong also grew too and i remember i did a four-hour gong workshop um, at the same studio that i was doing my kundalini yoga at and so that just sparked my love of the gong you know even sound baths i i love every instrument associated with um, sound baths bowls chimes bells whistles all that other stuff um, and gongs but really the gongs are my forte and I understand the power and strength behind the gong from my classes that I've done too. What is the significance of uh, the gong and maybe a little bit of history of it? If you, if you have that, you know, at your fingertips to share. Sure. Right. So a lot of us historically know what a gong is. We've seen a lot in a lot of movies too, as well. And a lot of it's associated with not only Asian culture, um, but a lot of, with a lot of faith culture too, as well. Like you see gongs and bells and a lot of temples, right? Historically, the gong really has had three primary purposes. Um, One is to really announce the incoming of royalty, right? Um, When the emperor, the prince, the princess, the empress, king or queen would arrive, you know, the gong would be struck, and that was the indication to the whole entire royal court that they're arriving, right? And so everyone would shift to their positions, 
bow down forward to you know basically welcome um, the the royal mm-hmm. the the royalty coming into as well. So even just from that point, you see people just shift their emotional responses just like that. And of course, you know they also be used in rituals and dance and ceremonies to create like a rhythm or a beat, right? In the end, like a gong is a percussion instrument. And then it was used a lot in wartime previously, right, to really instill a lot of fear in the enemy because it creates this dark, ominous, heavy sound. And thankfully, we don't really use the gongs for that reason anymore, sure, right? Sure. It's a beautiful musical instrument. It's an instrument that's still used today in a lot of rituals and ceremonies, especially with movement or dance. And then, you know, now in the past, you know, a couple of decades, gongs uh, are also used in various healing ceremonies too as well. You know, you see it a lot in temples um, to, you know, be as a background with the mantras, you know, with the scriptures too as well. It's to help promote people to connect and meditative practices together too so the gong itself is not only musically very very beautiful um, but it's very powerful in shifting one's um, emotions and mental state too as well Mm -hmm. right at what point did you begin to think all right well i want to bring like this together and begin to offer this to other people. So I hear you took a a four hour gong workshop. At what point did you kind of begin to put all the pieces together and think about, okay, I could do this myself. Yeah. Well, I actually started by going to um, some sound baths by two notable um, sound healers in the LA area. Uh, One is Anna Netanel. Um, She does a lot in the West, West side area too. And then my my good friend, Ambie Kavanagh, who at the time was doing um, these astrology astrology sound baths um, okay. at Wanderlust Studio. And um, as I was going to, that, to their sound baths, I actually ended up befriending them too as well and getting to know them. And eventually I asked them if I could be on their team and, and help them out too as well. Part of that, you know, save a thing I was talking about earlier with Tej. So I got really close with them. Um, I became really good friends with them. And I started helping them not only with the, you know, production of the sound bath, right? From sometimes picking them up, carrying their instruments, sending it all up to as well. But I got a lot of firsthand uh, experience with engaging with the people that would come to their sound baths, right? I, I would, you know, check them in, you know, talk to them, you know, engage in conversations after that. So, oh, how was your experience? What was it like? What did you go through too as well? And, you know, back then I actually didn't really have any intention on doing that to mm. create the sound bath. It was just something that I just wanted to be a part of and I really loved doing, right? So I had a long time with them. And then eventually uh, my friend Ambi encouraged me to acquire my own gong and, uh, you know, I got my very first gong from her recommendation. And then I eventually got one or two bowls, right? And, you know, those instruments that I had in the beginning, I really just played at home for myself, right? And then eventually I got like a very basic set of seven crystal bowls. And again, I would only play it for myself at home. Eventually, my friend Anna invited me to play with her too as well and so i did and at the time this is before she was even doing any kind of formal 
trainings. Um, me and another one of my good friends would play with her all the time. So we were like this little team of sound healers, you know, playing for like the LA area too. And on the flip side, I was also helping my friend Andy produce these really, you know, big sound baths for the Hollywood area too. So a lot of that was, I, I call my informal training, right? My formal trainings for music, my informal trainings from, from being part of experiences. And that's when it really sparked something in me because I was like, I love this and I love doing this. Why don't I actually start beginning to offer it for myself, right? So I actually ended up doing my very first sound bath um, in Venice, uh, many 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 years ago and it was a great success very small i had only like 12 people or so which i mean even back then that's like pretty good success and it was great i did another one after that but then what i ultimately decided was um you know la is very saturated with healers of all sorts practitioners facilitators and especially when it was sound baths you know, almost every other person does <laughs> does a sound bath there too mm-hmm. as well. So I didn't want to just kind of, you know, be a part of the herd. I wanted to, you know, build my own community, build my own brand and build my own style of sound baths that's, you know, different than everyone else's. So at the time I was actually um, living in Whittier in the East LA area and I ended up doing it there for about two years. And I was very fortunate to um, partner up with a, crystal and energy store um, where i did weekly sound baths there and now that area is primarily of hispanic background right and so they generally had little knowledge about what sound baths were right let alone what meditation was or what is associated with meditation uh, i mean most of them didn't even know what yoga was they just know what the word yoga is but they have really no idea what it's about too and i think also as an ethnic culture you know they go through a lot of emotional trauma and emotional wounds and there's not as much resources to really help to bring more awareness about what it is that they went through nor what they can do about it too. In some sense, they just had to just either deal with it or they don't talk about it too as well. And of course, I'm not saying that it's just, you know, limited to Hispanic culture. Many other cultures has that too. I'm just thinking from my experience, that's what I learned from, you know, working with that that community. So I did it there for two years. Um, We did it every single week. The space, you know, fit about 21 people or so. Um, and it, one is, one is that it got to a point where, I mean, we were selling out every single week because the people loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then two, you know, about 70% of participants there for each event was new. You know, they've mm-hmm. never been to a sound bath before too as well. And, you know, through my time there, through talking with people, engaging with people, you know, learning about their experience, learning about their lives too as well. You know, I've seen a lot of people radically really transform their lives. And not only have they really propelled themselves to become the person that they really wanted to be, but they were able to really resolve a lot of the wounds that they had in the past too as well. So 
in many ways, I, I call that time period like my 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 dissertation, my my, mm-hmm. my PhD in sound mm-hmm. healing, because I got to work with a community that was new, right? Uh, that had no experience in mindfulness awareness or you know any kind of emotional inner work too as well, and I really got to fine tune what my style, what my what my flat, what my sound bath flair is like that too. And really learn about, you know, what are the potentials of healing that sound baths can really do. Mm-hmm. And it was very, it's very, it's very interesting because, you know, that, that particular time, you know, majority of people really needed some kind of deep healing. You mm-hmm. know, now these days in the, with the community that I work with, you know, there's still a lot of that too as well, but most people that I work with now really just need some kind of reset relaxation or they really need more clarity and clairvoyance about what they need to do right versus, you know, like resolving what has happened to them in mm-hmm. the past. Mm-hmm. One of the things you said was, you know, there are a lot of sound healers and a lot of sound baths that are uh, available in Southern California. How would you say that the the events that you put on are unique? Uh, that kind of stand apart. Maybe the your unique flair, as you said. Yeah. Well, one is if you look at you know if you look at a lot of the sound healers these days, primarily they're all women. They're most I should say all. They're mostly women, right? Just because in general, you know, the feminine energy is able to embrace the emotional side of them much more and has no problem going into that emotional realm, right? Um, So one is I am a man, right? There's not too many men who do sound baths. And there's also not too many uh, men of color who also do sound baths too, right? I think I, I only know about two to three other Asian males um, amongst all the sound healers that I know that I'm aware of, of course, right. Um, that do sound baths too. So having that masculine energy creates a different experience um, than those of than, than, than the female practitioners too as well. Right. I said before, I have a lot of intense energy, right. And I have no problem embracing that intensity, nor do I have any trouble sharing that intensity in a very safe, protected container, right? So there's a lot of association with what the masculine energy is supposed to do, right? To create this safe environment for evolution, for support, for healing too as well, not just for the feminine energy, but for the community as a whole, right? So my sound baths are more intense, right? Because one is they bring out more potential, on who you could be, but they also bring more potential on how much healing that you could do from a physical, emotional, and mental standpoint too as well. Also, there's no doubt that my musical background plays a big difference, right? And, you know, there's there's always this debate about whether you should, you know, be musically trained to do sound baths. You know, there was this big debate in the sound healing community, you know, many, many years ago about that too as well. And, you know, we don't, that's a whole other conversation, of course. Um, but if you compare side by side, the sound healers who have musical background, right? And I'm not the only one, of course, there's many notable sound healers that I can name off that are really, you know, pure artists in their craft because of their musical background 
versus those without, there's a very clear difference, right? We as musicians know how to incorporate notes, octaves, tones into unique melodies and harmonies um, to create, again, this story within our sound baths too. And so my sound baths really have a unique story of its own, but it's encouraging you to really look at your own story right not just the chapters that have been written and the words that are being written right now but a lot of it is like what could you create what is a story that you could create to as well so it's this blend of like past healing becoming present and you know becoming more aware of you know what you could be too and you know finally if if you look at my setup, my setup is, is quite big. You know, I have, I, I, on average, I use about five gongs, you know, 12 crystal balls of different sizes and a variety of other instruments too as well. But it's really a combination of both my masculine energy and my musical background mm-hmm. um, that really make it unique. And, you know, one final thing to say about that is my, from my time in Tej, I really, am, I care more about practicality. Right. I care more about how a person with absolutely no background in spirituality or meditation can benefit greatly from it too. So my sound baths are really geared for everyone, right? Mm-hmm. There's no prerequisite or uh, a, a need to have an understanding about something to come to my sound baths because I am able to offer in a way that not only is really relevant to every single person but it also doesn't cause a lot of intimidation you know in in many ways spirituality does cause some intimidation to people who don't have as much of a connection spirituality to it because it's just really foreign to them too as well Mm. so there's this really open invitation for you know it doesn't matter who you are or what your background is too and it doesn't matter what language you speak because in the end you know what we're working with is is very universal for sure right yeah. Now I have uh, participated in one of your sound baths at Behind the Lids, and you know I've been to a lot of sound baths. I know I'm supposed to lay there, eyes closed, but I had to peek. You know what I mean? I'm going, what's going on up there? And so you are fully into it. I mean, Kyle, you're like doing basically like the squats and then the twists and then turns, and you're practically jumping in the air and ringing a, you know, hitting the gong. I mean, you're really into it. So what's going through your own? mind and heart and body as you're as you're performing as you're leading as you're guiding like because you're really into it for sure thank you i I appreciate those those kind words yeah i see sound baths um as as uh, from a from a from a practitioner point of view as an opportunity to really create art right Mm. and art goes beyond just anything physical right it's really channeling this energy from within you or from around you and presenting it into whatever form that you know you want to create to as well so you know i I also teach a lot of sound bass too and what one thing that i always mention is that you know when you are engaging with these instruments right not only are you having this, you know, dialogue with it, this conversation with these instruments, but eventually what it turns into is you're doing this beautiful dance with it too as well. And the more flow, the more flexibility that you have within you, it will translate into your playing too as well. So, you know, when I go into, when I go into my artist mode, 
right? One is that I have such a deep connection to my instruments. I have such a loving relationship with them too, that I'm able to explore all the different sides of myself when I play, right? The fast, intense, and the invigoration where there's some heavy movements, heavy swings, and, you know, a lot of big grand movements, right? The expansion, opening up the arms and legs. But on the flip side, you know, also the end question there is that soft and gentle, right? Very little movements, slow, you know, the slow strikes. And, you know, even though there's a lot of, um, even though it's very slow, there's still a lot of power and energy behind it too as well. So in many ways, I think, when I do sound baths, you know, it's not really me playing the instruments. Um, it's the instruments playing me, right? These 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 gongs and these bowls, I mean, yeah, they're musical instruments, but many consider them as energetic entities of their own, right? And so as you're in this beautiful cycle with them too, it ends up you playing the instruments, instruments playing you too as well. So you're just responding to how these instruments are too as well. And so, you know, I mean, I also love movements. I also love dance, right? Again, I just love going to big concerts and music festivals and I would hop around, dance everywhere. So I've always been, I've always let the music flow through me. So I'm in essence, I'm letting the sound flow through me too. And I follow the sound through my body too. And there's no doubt when I'm in this, you know, transcendental state when I'm playing too, there's something from above that's really coming through me um, and facilitating the sound baths too, uh, which is, you know, uh, externally, obviously when you, when you look at it, it's, it's very beautiful. I have some people describe it as seeing like an acrobatic dancer. Right. Um, but internally it's the same thing, right? Like I feel like this beautiful, like duets inside of me too, as well with the sound and with the instruments. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that you do training, you um, provide a course where you train other people how to lead sound baths. Take us through that a little bit. I know there's several segments of that course. What does that involve? Um, yeah, just tell us all about it. Yeah, well, you know, I, I've done sound baths for so many years. And when I started teaching, you know, I realized actually, I, as much as I love doing sound baths, I love teaching it more, right? There's this, you know, there, there's this honor of being able to, you know, share your knowledge, share your wisdom, but also not to like limit your students from what you know, but to help encourage them to expand on what they can develop within themselves, like their own internal knowledge um, with the instruments too as well. So, you know, with that, you know, I, I have two, well, I have technically three different types of offerings that I have when it comes to my training. And we break it down to three levels. We have level one, we have level two, we have level three, right? Level one, I call it the sound bath course, because when you first, you know, learn about sound baths, really, you're really learning about yourself, right? These instruments are a beautiful reflection of who you are, right? As you're playing them, you're not just playing them, you're projecting, you're expressing your energy into them. And they're doing the they need to do with it and sending it all back to you. So it's important for someone to really learn, first and foremost, what is their relationship 
with sound healing? What is their relationship with music? What are the emotions that naturally come out when they're engaging with these instruments? What are their interpretations that they have when they experience certain notes, certain octaves, certain tones, right? And really, level one is all about awareness, right? Becoming more aware of the self through sound. And part of that is also using sound as part of your mindfulness and meditation practice at home, right? And I believe that's very, very important because before you can begin offering it to anyone else, right, you really have to understand what it is that's going on inside of you with it. And a lot of it doesn't always necessarily, it's not always very quick, right? Because we're, we're complex beings. I mean, yeah, we're, we're simplistic and complex beings, right? But the emotional side of it can be very complex too as well. And so we have to really understand the layers and layers and layers behind, beneath us too as well as it's being opened up through sound baths. Um, so level one is, like I said, just that development of that self-practice through sound baths too. Then we go into level two, which is where we begin to really explore what it is that makes who we are, what is that makes who we are as a sound healer, right? As we're beginning to offer and share our energy with others too as well. And what that primarily composes of is, you know, one, we're going to learn some more like intermediate techniques. By level one, we learn the very basic foundations, the very basic fundamentals, not only of sound healing, but of music too as well, right? I always like to share my background in music and my knowledge in music to, to everyone that I teach. And there's no requirement to know music, right? I help you to develop a musical ear in that process. But level two, we do a little bit more intermediate techniques too as well, but we begin to really explore what it is that your unique sound is. What is your style of sound, right? What is it, what, what's David's sound like, right? How is it being expressed too? And that's when I really take my musical that knowledge into play and we do a ton of experimentation, right? I have I have a huge collection of instruments at home. So we work with different, you know, tone combinations. We work with different transitions, different sequences and, you know, timing and all of that. So by the end of level two, you have a unique 30 to 45 minute sound sequence that you can call your own. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like your base foundation um, of, you know, where you can evolve from, right? Whether you want to edit it or you want to add or take out from it, but at least you have some baseline foundation that you can uh, you can work on too. And, you know, from level one and level two, what it's really doing is it's giving you the confidence, one, right, to know what you're doing so you actually know how to play this correctly too. Um, but from that, the time that you devote to these sequences to these techniques right will really spark a lot of that wisdom from within right that sacred knowledge that really lies dormant within you waiting for the opportunity to come out and a lot of the you know the skills that i have now comes from my own devotion right hours and hours and hours of playing and i remind people you're not going to master sound baths and and, and uh, even in pri I do everything private one-on-one, -on -one, right? Sometimes I do 
occasionally public courses. I says you're not going to master sound bass in two, two, you know, two private courses. It, it comes from devotion of your own time too, as well, right? And then we have a level three, which is more like an advanced mentorship, where we go into like the business side of it, right? Marketing, production, all that jazz too, as well. And you know, I have some clients who also who want me to coach them in their sound baths too, as well, too. So, in the end, what I wish for when I train is for you to not only you know know what you're doing of course uh but to you know bring out the potentials of what you could be doing for yourself and the people that you will eventually offer sound bass towards Mm -hmm. if uh, someone's listening who is wanting to get into sound healing um besides you know uh taking your course uh what other (laughs) advice what other advice would you give them how would you encourage them? Yeah. You know, offer to help and other sound baths, right? Find a person that you really enjoy, that you enjoy, whose sound baths you enjoy going to and offer to offer your help, offer to be on their team too. There's no doubt that me offering to help the sound healers that I helped in my in the beginning stages of you know my career um, really played a big part in it too. Not only did I get a lot of informal training, you know, but I got a lot of confidence because I got to witness and experience firsthand what goes in it too as well. And you never know what will come from it too. You know, one of the sound healers that I ended up helping with, she had a vast collection of gongs. So because she trusted me, you know, she loaned me so many gongs. So I've always had a lot of gongs from the beginning of my career, which really helped to propel me up too as well. So, you know, being of service, you know, that will only benefit you too as well. And that will give you firsthand experience, um, you know, in what sound bath is like and what it's like to not only you know, not only to develop your own relationship with sound bass, because you're, you're also going to a lot of sound bass too, right? But you're, you know, witnessing what people go through, you know, you're talking, engaging with people too as well. And you become close with the sound healer too as well. And that, that connection will produce a lot more than, you know, some that can, can produce a lot more potentially um, than just going to one formal training. Mm-hmm. And I know that you will just ask people to be a part of your team because you've got so many events going on. It's such a large production. But let's just say somebody, you know, they 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 go to a sound bath, they really connect with, they like this person. How do you ask them to help if they don't seem to have other people helping? Like, how do you do that in a non-creepy way? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, when I first when I first started before I started helping out. I would, no matter what class or workshop that I would go to, I would always go up to the teacher and just be very thankful for them. Like, thank you, you know, for what you do and also share my experience with them too as well. Um, and what I've noticed is that helped me to, in time, become a little bit closer and closer and closer to them too as well. You know, eventually they would they would recognize me and they would remember me too as well. And by then, they you have a certain type of closeness to them. You know, even though you may not know them personally yet, but they remember you. You know, they they know your story. They know your history too, as well. Um, they also know that you're dedicated to your own inner work too. And even for the people, you know, I have people help me. I have you know many volunteers that come over and over again, and 
as I get to know them, you know, they open up more and more and more, and I I trust them more to even more. And so from that, you know, I am more likely to have them help me out at other versus other people because I, I trust them a lot too as well. And I have some volunteers, I don't even need to say anything anymore. They just know what to do, right? And more importantly, they love doing it. So you have to also love, you know, being a part of team. And what I tell people is that, you know, when you volunteer, when you help out, yeah, you're moving some instruments, you're setting up too, but because of you do that, you help the practitioner facilitator conserve their energy to create the experience that helps to heal people. So you become part of that healing experience for the people in that group, right? Mm-hmm. You have you're 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 part of that experience you give them to as well. So you know, patience is a big one, right? Uh, having the courage to go up to your teacher, share your experience, right? Um, being patient with them too as well, knowing when the time is right as well. Um, but then eventually just, you know, having the courage to offer them to as well, right? Mm-hmm. Worst case scenario, they say no, no big deal, right? You still it's get a really good sound bath in the end. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. So Kyle, um, if people want to find out about when you're having sound healings at uh, sound baths at behind the lids, they can go to behind the lids.com. If they want to learn about all the sound baths that you're doing and your training course and so forth, what's the best place for them to connect with you? Right. Every, all information about me, my work, my offerings, my schedule is through my website. It's KyleLambSoundHealing.com. And my name is Kyle Lamb. It's L-A-M, not Lamb with a B. So KyleLambSoundHealing.com. Instagram is also a great place where I have all of my offerings and links to. It's at KyleLambSoundHealing. And yeah, that's the best way. Great. And uh, if you're listening on your phone, you can just swipe up and we'll have those links right there available to you. So Kyle, thank you so much for just sharing about your journey and your wisdom. Um, all the things that you've experienced over the years, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you, David. It was an absolute honor. Thank you for this opportunity. Um, and you know, I love the connection, the community at behind the lids too. And I'm very looking forward to more offerings being presented there. We hope you enjoyed the conversation today, and we invite you to share this episode with someone who would enjoy it as well. Take a screenshot, text it to them, and tell them to check out BehindTheLidsPodcast.com. Also, we encourage you to rate and review the show on the podcast platform where you are listening. We'll see you next time, Behind the Lids.